0: Let me to introduce our guest speaker today, from, uh, David Anderson from Arasha. Arasha is a Christian environmental stewardship organization uh, in in Sault Well, Actually, the one of the sites is in South Surrey, But I'm sure David will talk more about um, Russia, um Canada, and um, around the world. Uh, David is um, used to be a pastor uh, at, on Bowen Island, and um, now he is working as the director of Arasha, and yeah, so we're just ex- excited to have him share with us. Um, yeah, just to share with us and, and just let us um, let's welcome him and, and be open to what he, uh, he has to say. Um, yeah, just bring God's word to us. Thank you. Is going to work here? Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting uh, us here this morning. It's a real privilege to worship with you. We have a, um, we have a lot of affection. for the. Uh, I've never been here personally, but we have a lot of affection for the church because over the years you've sent some really amazing staff and volunteers out Arash's way. So I, we know that good things happen here. It's also really excellent to see uh, how much the youth and young adults are involved in the service. So well done. That was awesome. Um, my wife, Shauna, and I both work with Arasha. Arasha means the rock in Portuguese, for those of you that don't know, and probably most of you don't, I didn't. Um, and it just references that, that the first project uh, got started in Portugal back in the early 80s, and it also obviously references that uh, we're founded upon the rock of Christ, that uh, the, the foundation of Arasha's work, why we do what we do, and how we do it, uh, our our standard and our guiding post is Jesus. Um, Arasha is now active in about twenty one countries around the world, and um, we do a variety of different things in different ways in those countries. But the, the heart of it is around um, practically revealing or showing God's love for all creation. And when I say creation, I, I'm being deeply biblical when I say creation. So when I say creation, I'm not just meaning like the green bits around us, as beautiful as those are. Uh, biblically, creation is, is, is everything. We are creation, humanity, uh, and we are placed within the earth and all of it. The heavens, the earth, all the creatures, including us, that's, that's creation. So when I say caring for creation, I mean caring for people, and place, in Jesus' name. Prior to working with Arasha, um, it was already mentioned, I was working as a pastor on Bowen Island, and uh, my wife, Shauna, was working as a lawyer. We met at Regent in the years before that. My prayer this morning is that by the time I'm finished, in the next 25 minutes or so, um, it would become clear to you why it is that we left um, good work uh, in in pastoral ministry and working in law in order to join Arasha, because we're often asked, why did we do that? My prayer is that that every person here will leave with a, a a, a greater sense of hope and a greater sense of awe at the scope of the saving work that God has envisioned for for us, for his people, for creation. Because it is epic in scope. The, the title of the sermon that you can see on the bulletin and from my handout is The Scope of God's Salvation is as Wide as Creation. That's a bold statement, but it's one that's deeply biblical. And my prayer, my final hope this morning is that before you go this morning that you would go out into your day-to-day life, into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, into uh, school and work and homemaking and uh, friendships and family relationships with uh, a greater sense of encouragement that, um, that we have been given, we, humanity, have been given an incredible gift of God, by God of this in, of this incredible place that we've been placed in this earth and that um, caring for creation is not just for environmentalists and it's not just it's not some political thing caring for creation is not like just for the green Party um, and certainly caring for creation isn't just for people that like to camp or go spend time in the wilderness we um, one of the challenges facing um, Practical environmental stewardship these days is that in our society and culture we tend to relegate a lot of those things to special interest groups. Oh, that's for people that really like being outside in the rain, you know, up at Garibaldi or in Squamish, or or that's for that particular political party. Or oh, environmental care—that's something that the government does. Um, I hope to convince you, uh, and I think many of you are already convinced, that it's that creation care is a normal. Core part of what it means to follow Christ and be a Christian. So, those are no small tasks in the next 22 minutes. For those that um, like to follow along, kids, if you're tired of following along notes at school, then you can just, just listen to me. You don't have to follow along. But if you'd like to follow along, I'm going to be following loosely, kind of following this handout that's in the, the bulletin. Um, the Bible makes abundantly clear. And I I just selected a few passages in the handout, but I could have selected hundreds through, through the whole canon of Scripture. The Bible makes clear from Genesis all the way right to the end of Revelation that God, our Creator, is actively creating, actively sustaining all of creation presently, past, present, and future. And that God delights in creation us, and in these places on the earth. And that we humans have a unique, an absolutely unique role within all things that have been made. Like all the other creatures, we're dependent upon creation. If you don't think that you're a mammal and dependent on creation, try going without, I don't know, food, water, air. Fairly quickly we realize... We're we're, we're creatures. We're creatures placed on the earth by God. But we're unique creatures because alone amongst all the other pantheon of creatures, we alone have um, this ability. We are aware of ourselves, aware of our task in creation, and we choose beyond instinct. We choose the way that we live in creation the kind of impact we have on the earth. That's that's an utterly unique thing amongst all the other creatures. And we can choose to live in ways that are wise and that bless other people and and the places that we're we're in, the earth that we're on. Um, And we can choose to live foolishly. We can have uh, a light impact or great impact. We can... um, Well, let's Genesis 2... The mandate in Genesis 2 is is called the, uh, in the Hebrew it's avad and shamar that humanity was placed in the garden to tend and to keep this garden this 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 earth that we've been placed on it can also be translated like to work the land or the earth and take care of it different translations translate it differently but the overall sense in Genesis 1 and 2 and in fact throughout scripture is that That we alone, on the earth, um, we work and tend the earth, and out of that work and tending, abundance comes forth from a generous God who provides for us. And we also, but it's also very clear that the earth is um, need guarding and tending, or guarding and keeping. Like, we care for the earth, and it provides for us as part of God's generosity. And we protect that goodness um, in kind of a, with an active care. And the, the way that we do that, how we work, uh, and how we protect or care or guard creation, biblically, in Genesis 2, it's very clear the way in which we're to do that is we're to do that as God's image bearers. We're made in the image of God. So if the question becomes, well, how are we to work the earth? How are we to cultivate? How are we to provide for ourselves? And how are we to, like, tend and guard? Well, then we're to do so in the very image of, or in the name of, or in the character of God. A God who, in, the, in Scripture and in our experience, is revealed as generous, joy-filled, wise, patient, kind, Gentle. This, I hope this is starting to sound familiar. I hope this is starting to sound like the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the body of Christ. That's how we're to tend and care for the earth. In the same way or in the nature of God. And I think we know this. In fact, I know we know this. Uh, those, of you that, um, those of you that keep a, a vegetable garden or tend a garden or, or, or have done farming, like those of you that appended soil and planted seeds and watched over that, you know, your, back, your backyard garden or something, and weeded and maybe protected it from birds or something like that or rodents, and then harvested that goodness and experienced how uh, incredible it is to, to be provided for, yes, from work that you've done, but also by this mysterious, like, God's goodness, just we plant seeds and we kind of... We don't make the seed grow. We just sort of steward the conditions around which amazing, amazing things happen and growth happens. And then we're, we receive that with gratitude. And then oftentimes we take that very bounty and we, we prepare it and we, and, we, and we participate in community as we eat together. When we're doing that, that's creation care. That's working and tending and cultivating in a responsible way where soil is being tended and you're protecting this place, and then, and then you're experiencing the goodness. When um, those of us that have pets, we got our first dog as a family like a year ago. Um, that's, that's a whole other experiment I could talk about. <laughs> um, but uh, those of us that have pets, like we, we care for our pets. And when I say care, I don't mean just like, like, you know, feel like fuzzy romantic feelings towards our pets, although we might. But we care for them, like we, we feed them. We clip their nails, we take them to the vet, we tend them when they're sick, we clean up after them. Like, care can look like hard work, but we also receive their affection, and we receive kind of uh, joy in seeing how goofy they are. We're really enjoying how goofy our dog is um, back at the Arasha site. Um, when we're experiencing that kind of reciprocity, like caring for a creature and receiving the gifts of. Of laughter and community building and companionship, that's creation care. Right? You're experiencing it when we go for walks in the beauty of autumn, and we're aware of the beauty that's around us, the stunning changing of leaves, um, and we give thanks to God for that beauty. It's nothing that we've earned. It's nothing that we've created. We don't deserve it. We just we just exist in it. We bask in it, and we say thank you. That's an aspect of creation here. Those are all positive examples, but there are, but there are hard truths to be said, and I I'm not going to go on about this this morning, but I do need to name them because how we're doing how we as humanity are doing, how we as the church are doing at producing and guarding the gift of creation in like globally, it's not going well. There's really, really hard truth to face. And to use Paul's language, the Apostle Paul, you know, he uses the language of creation groaning. Groaning in brokenness. Groaning in frustration. And we see this all around us. And I'm, I'm not going to go on because this is, this is on the news all the time. This is on your... Facebook feeds and Instagrams and all the rest of it. We see pollution of all manner, like marine waters, fresh water, soil being polluted, air being polluted. Um, Before I went to Regent and trained for pastoral ministry, my undergraduate was in biology, and I worked as a biologist for some years. So as a former biologist and someone that works for a conservation group, I'm aware and I track with the the degree of habitat loss across the planet and the accompanying loss of species when we're taking away or when we're degrading their homes. I say they. It's kind of a them and us. We're all creatures. But species loss and habitat loss is just happening at a staggering rate in in our time. And in the face of this hard news, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to, In the face of this hard news, we have a range of options. And I'm just going to name a few. There's lots, but I'm going to name a few that are alive and well in culture right now. Denial. Denial's really um, at play. You know, a lot of people just deny the scope and scale of the problem uh, and escape. They escape into work. They escape into recreation. They escape into Netflix or, I don't know something. They, they, we numb ourselves to the hard news around us and we deny that there's a problem. So that's one option. We can continue in denial. Despair is an option that, we, that I'm seeing more and more. Um, at Arasha we run an internship program. So we have young people, university age, that come and spend uh, a, a semester with us as part of like a co-op program. Um, and we provide practical training and mentoring and discipling. Yes, kids, I'm making a pitch. I'm planting a seed here for you guys. Um, but in the younger generation, particularly, uh, young people graduating from university and grad school, the, the amount of cynicism and despair that we are seeing in the younger generation when it comes to the scale of the environmental problem is growing, and it is, it's, it's really serious. Like despair and anxiety kind of war with each other in the younger generation as they look ahead at the scale of the problem. So despair is an option. Uh, we can develop with a lot of, um, while I have sympathy for this, a lot of conservation organizations and, and quote unquote environmentalists, if we play with stereotypes, in culture have sort of developed kind of like almost like an anti human sort of stance. You know, almost like humanity is like a cancer on the good earth. And if only, you know, we had less people, then the earth would be so much better. Well, obviously, as a Christian, I can't, uh, I, I have sympathy for that view from one standpoint of, like, people that are deeply concerned about creation. But it's just not a Christian option. We can't be down on people because we're created in the image of God. And God delights in all creation. So here's another option that I think is deeply Christian. It's not deeply Christian to deny the truth. It's not deeply Christian to uh, sit in despair. It's not deeply Christian to uh, be anti-human in any sense. It is, however, deeply Christian to speak the truth in love and to to witness to the reality that God can change hearts and lives towards healing and wholeness. And God can do that in the most dire of circumstances. That's what God does. That's who God is. God saves. He reaches into our lives. He grabs hold of us with his love, revealed in Jesus. And he changes lives. He changes us. He helps us to live differently with a different set of priorities. I think one of the great gifts that the church, the body of Christ, can give the world in in this next generation facing this scale of these problems is the gift of witnessing to the reality that God can empower us through the Holy Spirit to live differently with joy to find more joy in gathering together in community than in uh, the pursuit of material acquisition and consumption. Because we know that more things does not bring more happiness. This, by the way, is not a recent problem. The problem of human hearts turned against God and making a mess both of our relationships with each other and of creation, this is this is as old as the human heart. So look at Hosea in, the, in your passage, Hosea 4, 1-3 in the handout. These are hard words. But listen, this is, this is a prophet of God. This is a man filled with the love of God towards God and other people and creation. But he speaks hard words in order to get to a greater a greater truth. The, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to, gain, to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. So there's our relationship with God. There is only cursing and lying and murder, stealing and adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. All of those things, just reference, that's all the human this you know, we, this is what we do to one another, right? Or what, what we can do when we're not motivated by love. We curse, we lie, we, we maneuver, we, we do the one-upmanship thing going like, I'm going to get what's due me over and against you. Hosea then goes further. I think we understand this. We understand well in the church that our relationship with God and our relationship with, uh, with each other are, are inextricably tied. Right? Jesus says, if you claim to love God but you call your neighbor a fool, you are fooling yourself. Like, I can't love God and, and hate a brother or a sister. It's, you can't do it. If I truly love God, I will love you. Just how this, that's just spiritual ecology. is how it works. But I, uh, Hosea picks up another theme and weaves this in there. He says it's not just relationship with God and relationship with each other that's inextricable. It's also, it also is our relationship with the earth, with creation. Because in Hosea 4, verse 3, he says, Because of this, because relationship with God is broken, And relationship with one another is broken. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea are dying. This is thousands of years old, folks. But it's just a deep, spiritual, and ecological truth. Long before that, we even used the term ecology. Hosea was just picking up uh, the reality that we live in in creation. Which is is that if our priorities are to are, selfish, are self-oriented, if we're going to be selfish and just treat God and each other and the Earth as a way of getting what's good for me, then that will corrupt and destroy our relationships with God, with each other and with the Earth. The Earth actually suffers. And Hosea isn't saying this so that the people will deny what he's saying or despair in what he's saying. He's saying this to bring about a greater reality and truth, which is that the God who's committed in love to save is wanting to penetrate the heart of the people so that we can confess before God the ways in which we're denying God's love and rebelling against his character. So that forgiveness and healing and wholeness might come in, so that we can live differently, so that we can love God and create community in care with one, with one another and cultivate and tend the earth as God intends. So that, to use the Hebrew word, so that shalom might break out. God's heart is always towards shalom. It's always towards wholeness and goodness and healing and integrity and peace. Paul knows this, the Apostle Paul, many years later than Hosea, many generations later. Paul personally knows about how transforming and powerful the love of God is. In Paul's own life, the very person that hunted down and persecuted the early church. He was killing Christians until he was confronted by Jesus. And in in being confronted by Jesus, it began a process of his heart and his mind and his whole understanding of who God was and what God wanted to do started to change. And as his understanding and relationship with God grew, the the understanding of the scope of God's power to change grew. So that by the time many about 17 years later that Paul's writing to the church in Rome in Romans 8, he's writing these words, for the creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Paul knew that God's saving work wasn't just for the Jewish people. He knew that it wasn't just even for the Roman Empire. As Paul's knowledge and love of God grew, his his vision of the scope of God's saving work grew, not just to encompass the Middle East, but to, to go out through the children of God so that all nations would know the goodness and the love and the glory of God. And that, as all nations knew through the people of God, that creation itself, the the places where God's people existed, would be tended and cared for and cultivated and brought into the glory of the children of God. That shalom might happen where God's people exist. Paul dared to have that kind of vision even while Rome was cracking down on this young, early church. Now, you can call that foolish. There was, there was, no, there was, no, um, there was no sort of uh, facts at play in this current situation when he wrote in Romans. Right? It looked like the church was being pushed down it looked like this small movement of, of Christians was being crushed by this empire. So you can call that foolish, but, I, but of course we don't, because we're on, we're on the other side of this time. We're, we're 2,000 years later, when the Christian gospel has reached into most nations in the world. And Christian community exists in, in hundreds and hundreds of languages. And Shalom is being worked out by the people of God all over the world through congregations just like this. And it might seem humble and it might seem like we don't have a lot of power. And that's exactly where God delights us to have because God works through his people and works through vulnerability and weakness to bring about shalom and goodness. Three minutes. Do I tell you a story? I'm going to tell you a quick story and, I'll, and then I'll close. Um, I, haven't, I haven't shared a lot about what Arasha does. I hope you've caught some of the heart of, of what Arasha is about in, in, the, in the message. I want to tell you about Arasha, Kenya, um, and a project there. So, because I think this practically works out how, how this can take take shape in real life. Uh Arasha Kenya, established many years ago, um, identified a patch of coastal forest called the Arabuki Sokoki Forest. It used to stretch thousands of kilometers along the coast of Kenya. Um, and it has been um, cut by by deforestation and um, both commercial and like villages for for many, many years. And that's increased as commercialization has increased over there. Um, The big problem over there is uh, in the area where Arash is working is that they're working with uh, uh, subsistence farmers that are just that are like in deep deep poverty. One and a lot of the children can't afford to go to school because they have to pay to go to school in in their context. And so one of the ways that the the villagers and the subsistence farmers make money is they they go into the forest and they they chop down trees and they they light them on fire and bury them in sand to make charcoal and then they sell the charcoal uh, in the villages and in the markets in order to make money to buy food and to send their kids to school. But, of course, like they're not replanting. Right? So this is like a, a finite deal. Like You start with a forest hundreds of kilometers long, but if you're chopping them down for charcoal, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And over the decades, this, now this huge swath of forest is now is relatively tiny on the coast. And there are species that live in that forest You'll, maybe you'll like this. If you like creatures, there's a golden rump elephant shrew. Beautiful. little. Go- anyway, I wish I had a picture. Uh, there's a lot of species that only live in that forest in the whole world. It's, they're endemic to that forest. And if the forest is lost, they are lost. The government's tried all sorts of things. They've fenced off the whole forest, and villagers just cut through the fence. They hire guards to guard the forest with guns to keep people away, sort of like a keep the humans out and let creation thrive. And, you know, people just bribe the guards or the guards get embarrassed that they're defending the forest against, you know, the people that live there. So it never worked. Forest is getting smaller. Obviously, at some point, the forest will be gone. Then there's no charcoal. Then the people are starving. I hope you're seeing the theme, right, that in order for the people to benefit, the ecology and the creation around it has to flourish. Both both need to flourish. So here comes Arasha. Arasha spends years studying the problem, talking to people, getting locally immersed, um, and, and we devise a scheme called ASSETS. So we, we start an ecotourism project. We wrote some grants and established boardwalks through the tree canopy in this rare patch of forest. People come from all over the world that love butterflies and birds and, and want to see the golden rumped elephant shrew. And they pay good money to do that, and they pay money to the villagers because the villagers are the people that know the forest best. They know the ecology, they have a name for every tree, they have a use for almost everything in the forest. So now tourists come from all over the world, they pay good money, villagers get to show off the bounty of their patch of creation that they are stewarding. And the funds that, go, that are being paid to the villagers, half goes to support their families, and half goes into a scholarship fund that sends their children to school so they can graduate from high school. So this is, these are, this is a Rasha. This is a Christian witness saying, we refuse to believe that either people benefit or creation benefits, as, like a, as, a, as though it's some sort of an either-or. This is a Christian witness that comes in and says, before God, God made the world to work under our care. So there's a way for people to benefit and the place to benefit and all to flourish, because that's what God is about. God's about healing and flourishing. That's just one small project that Arash is doing in Kenya, and I hope it's an encouragement for you that as we take these things on locally and sustainably and responsibly, um, good things happen. God, God's glorified, people are honored, and creation is stewarded. We need more of these stories. We need more of these stories. Um, Our Arash's big vision is that the church in all its different traditions, like Capital C Church, the people of God, as they get hold of this kind of vision, biblical vision, that this would take expressions in all sorts of congregations and the places that those congregations are in all over the world. Not because it's hip or not because it's fashionable, but because it's, it's the heart of God and it honors Christ. And it's what the Spirit longs to do through us, God's people. Amen? Amen. Thank you for having us here.